This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. There are things that we're still wanting to do. We're still wanting to make some improvements. There's things that we still need to do. I know we, we had the big push for dedication, you know, and it's so easy to just go, ah, and settle back. But, you know, there's more that God wants us to do. You know, and I want to see, I'm so glad all of you are here, but I want to see this place filled up. I want us to have to put out more chairs. So, you know, invite people, encourage people to come. Bring them with you. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, we're talking about Building for eternity, building for eternity, building. Today we're going to talk about building to last. I want to build something that will be eternal and permanent. Isn't that true? I mean, you think about it. I mean, how many people have lived and they lived their lives, they, they spent the resources that were given them, whether it was their, uh, ever how many years they had in the earth, whatever their abilities were, whatever resources uh, financially and otherwise came through their hands, they used that and they built a life with it and now they've gone and now it's our turn. And we have to decide how will we build, how will we build uh, our lives. Are we going to just, you know, build it any way we want to? Are we going to do something different? One of our scriptures we've been looking at is 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10, and I'm going to read it from the message. I really like the way this reads, so uh, you can follow along in your Bible or just listen to me as I read it here, but the message says in 1 Corinthians 3.10, it says, using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I designed blueprints. Paul is speaking here. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Now, you're a carpenter on your life, and I'm a carpenter in my life. Amen? Now, there may have been other ministers who laid a foundation and who have spoken into our life and speak into our life, but we are the primary builder of our own life, aren't we? That's why I like the way the terms he uses here in the message. He says, remember, there's only one foundation. We talked about that, didn't it? There's one foundation, and that is Jesus Christ, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Remember, we just read about the rich man. What was he building his life on? His money. Oh, I've got plenty of money. And see, that's the world's ultimate idea of security, isn't it? Plenty of money. If I have plenty of money, everything's good. But I know people who have plenty of money who their marriage is broken up. They're sick in their body. They have no peace. They can't sleep. They're tormented. Their kids won't have anything to do with them. And you want to tell me that having that big pile of money is making you happy? (laughs) money can't love you back, can it? No, sir. And so he says, eventually there's going to be an inspection. Anybody ever worked on construction? Boy, I have. One of of my number of jobs working myself through colleges, I I worked on construction some. And, you know, especially commercial 
construction, when they, you would be building something, uh, we, would have, we would hire out uh, different companies that would come in, and their speciality was to test the site. Whether you were getting ready to pour concrete or the concrete that you were going to pour, they took a sample and they tested it. And that meant that it had, to, it had to meet certain requirements, certain specifications, or otherwise it's a no-go. So this is what he's talking about. He said there's going to be an inspection. We're building, you're building, I'm building, but there's going to be an inspection. And he says if you use cheap or inferior materials, oh boy, you'll be found out. You might, you know, you might fool us on Sunday morning, but the chief inspector knows. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. Wow. You won't get by with a thing. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, listen to this, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. Wow. You won't be torn out. You'll survive but just barely. Well, I don't want to just barely survive, do you? I don't want to barely survive. So we need to build what? The, with the right foundation and the right materials. And James said this. He said, he said the testing of your faith works patience. I like the, me- the message says this way from James 1.3. You know that, un- that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open. And shows its true colors. Boy, I tell you what. I don't like when the testing time is upon me. I, I'm just being honest. I, I don't like when the pressure's on. I don't like when things are difficult, when, when life happens and comes at you. But here's the thing. Whether we like it or whether we don't, life happens, doesn't it? Whatever your theology is, life happens. Rain comes into our life. There's difficulties that we face. Obstacles, testings, the enemy comes. Things happen. And he said, one of the reasons is, he says, the pressure, that is a testing, your faith life is forced into the open. You find out what you really got. You find out what you really believe. You find out how much Jesus is Lord of your life. Don't you? Absolutely. Man, anybody can praise God when you, your bank account's full and all the bills are paid and everybody likes you and even the cat does what you want. Man, it's easy to praise God then. It's easy to smile. Boy, that's really a miracle, isn't it? <laughs> but it's easy when everything's going your way. And we all like that. Don't misunderstand me. But how many of your life, everything's just been just wonderful all oh, every day? It's just been la di da di da No. And he said, that's when you're going to find out what you're building, what you have built. Is it solid in God? Or is it just some religious sentiment? It won't last. It won't stand the test. Look in Luke 6, verse 47. Again, I'm going to read from the message. Jesus is speaking. He said, these words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words to build a life on. Jesus, you know, I hear people all the time, oh, yeah, well, Jesus was just a good teacher. That's a lie. 
Some, some people think I'm a good teacher, so you want to compare Jesus to me? Holy cow. Listen, listen we're, yeah, see, the religious people or, you know, or the moralists think that sounds really nice, that I'm letting Jesus, I'm, tell, I'm admitting that Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus said, these are not just good, teacher, good teachings like Confucius or Muhammad or somebody else. He said, these are not just to add improvements to your life here. I like the way he said it. He said, these are words to build a life on. Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. What are you building your life on? Well, when it's convenient, I do what Jesus says. If it don't cost me too much, pastor, I'll do it. Hello? Testing time. Testing, one, two, three, testing. If you work the words into your life, talking about his words, you're like a smart carpenter. Here's that word again. Who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When? Everybody say when. So Jesus was expecting whatever's following this. When? The river burst its banks and crashed against the house. Nothing could shake it. Nothing could shake it. I know some people, you know, the least little thing, that's it. They're out of here. They get their feelings hurt. They don't come back to church for years. Oh, my gosh. You better go try to live. You, you were probably called to a monastic life. You know what a monastic life is? That's where they, they separate themselves from any interaction with anybody but God. Because if you're going to live life out here like the rest of us, you're going to get your little old feelings hurt. Isn't that right? You're going to get criticized. You're going to be misunderstood. There's going to be all kinds of things that happen. Can I get a witness? And see, if you haven't dug deep and built your life on the rock Christ Jesus and that He's the reason I come to church, He's the reason I give, He's the reason I worship, He's the reason I serve, then you're going to get your feelings hurt and you're going to be out out of here. It sure is, isn't it? He said, but if you... if you, but if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a dumb carpenter. How would you like to have a dumb carpenter working on your house? <laughs> Who built a house but skipped the foundation. Boy, that is dumb, isn't it? When the swollen river came crashing in it, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. And you can see people, when you see what, how they react and what happens in their life, when the test of life, when the difficulties of life hit them, a blow, and the next thing you know, you know, they, they're hurt. They're going to leave the church. They're, not, they're mad at God. They're complaining. They're griping. You know, you see, every time you see them, it's what's wrong with them. You ever been anybody about that? All they ever talk about is their aches and pains. You know, you, we all know some people like that. We probably got people in our family that way. <laughs> well, bless their hearts. You know, I mean, we feel we we feel empathy and sympathy that they're. Go, but you know, be honest with me. Doesn't that get tiresome after a while? Because you know, when you get around them, it's going to be. It's, here's that record going to play again. 
you know. Well, yeah, surely there's something good. So when, when I'm telling you, when your faith is built on God's Word, I'm telling you, when the test and the trial comes, you know what? Something rises up on the inside of me. And I'm telling you, I'm more certain, more focused, more uh, purposed than ever before. Bless God. I'm trusting God. I'm coming out. I'm going over. God's going to bring me through. I'm going to declare the goodness of God, the, the greatness of God, the power of God, the faithfulness of God. Something, isn't, it, isn't that the way you are? Something just rises up in you. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Word of God because you you dug deep and built a foundation. You're just like, devil, bring it on, buddy. I got the Popeye punch coming for you. <laughs> Some of you younger folks don't know who Popeye was. Google it. <laughs> Isn't that right? So we have the right foundation. And listen, it's going to be tested. But that's okay because if you built with the right materials, it won't matter. Then we're talking about building, for, building to last, building for eternity. We start with the round, right foundation, and then we have the right focus. What is your focus? The first thing ought to be, we're going to glorify God. Man, I'm going to tell you, if I, if I live by feelings, oh, man, you know, some Christians, you can tell they live by their feelings. Man, when everything's going good and their feelings are up, man, they're in church. They're clapping. They're waving. They're, they're jumping. They're, hallelujah. You know, but boy, I'm telling you, when their feelings are, you can't find them. They talk like God's dead. Come on. Listen, we all have feelings, don't we? Sure we do. You know, I tell you, I lived in South Florida for a number of years, and man, we used to talk about how the weather would change. If you don't like the weather in South Florida, just wait a while, it'll change. And that's the way feelings are, isn't that right? Man, you can go to bed, your feelings are great, everything's on top of the world. You get up the next morning, you feel like staying in bed rather than getting up and going to work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's, that's the way feelings are. They, they just change, and sometimes nothing even has to change around them. Maybe your diet's off or something, I don't know. But your feelings change. We cannot live our lives based on that. I, my, my purpose is I'm going to glorify God. Aren't you? That's absolutely what I want to do. I want to glorify God in all that I do. I want to read you. Let me get on my Bible app here. Listen what Paul says. We're going to glorify people, glorify God, and we're going to reach people. Glorify God and reach people. We're going to glorify God. Why do we do? Why do we worship? Why do we serve? Why do we give? Why do we pray? What? We, we glorify God, but also we want to reach people. Listen, I told you, Passion Church, at the dedication, and I'm re remind all of us again, God didn't give this building to us just for ourselves, for our own gratification and benefit. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. That's a small part. God gave it so that what? We can reach people. And that's what it's all about. Listen to what Paul says. Again, I'm going to read from the message. Listen to this. He said, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. 
Notice he didn't say one thing in here about feeling. I'm sure he had a bunch of feelings when he was stoned that time. Or beaten with rods. Or put in prison with his feet and his hands in the stocks. I'm sure he had a whole bunch of feelings, didn't he? But he said voluntarily. That means what? A decision, doesn't it? Wide range of people. The religious, the non-religious, the meticulous, moralist, loose-living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. Wow. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. See, one of the criticisms, and I think it's partially been true historically about the church in general, is that we tend to live in our ivory tower. We're not going to have anything to do with all this group of people that he just talked about. You know, there was some controversy because a politician made a, a reference to the great unwashed. You know, talk about people like me, the great unwashed in America. But you know what? When we as Christians barricade ourselves behind the church walls on Sunday morning and that's all we do, listen, how are we any different? We got we to gotta believe that we've got something that people need. Otherwise, why? what's the purpose? Why, why are we doing this? I mean, you know, if, if there's no reality to it, if, if we don't have something that everybody absolutely needs, then why are we doing what we're doing? There's no reason to, is there? He said, but I entered their world and tried to experience their way of life. I kept my bearings. He said, I've become just about every sort of servant there is. <laughs> wow. In my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Instead of getting on your high horse at work. And getting behind your religious theology and wall. Why don't you try to relate to where those people are coming from. Why don't we try to understand what people, where people are hurting. What's going on with people. Amen. There's a whole lot of people that are not like us that need what we have. They don't need to be like me. God, I mean, thank God there's only one Norris Braswell. They don't need to be two. What are you laughing about over there? No. <laughs> we don't need two. <laughs> so I'm not trying to make them like me. I want them to meet Jesus. I want them to meet the grace of God. I want them to meet the power of the Holy Spirit. I want them to understand that they can be the, the, the best, the most wonderful, unique them that God designed them to be. Jesus is not about taking something from us except for our sin. He's about adding something to us that makes us the person He's intended for us to be. That's the message we need to get to people. He said, I've come just about every sort of servant there is and attempts to lead those I meet to a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, the gospel. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. You know, I've seen a lot of Christians, they're, they're, they're just happy to be, talk about it. They got their church, they're so proud of their church. That's fine in its place, you know. But listen, you know what God's after? He says, I'm after people who want to get in on it. 
who want to get in on it. Listen, listen, getting in on it is out there. When we leave this place today and we go to all our lives this week, we're busy doing all kinds of things. I understand that. But in, we're not asking you to set aside what you're doing with your weekly life, but as you go about your weekly life, you are coming in contact with people. And you need to be self-aware and also others aware of what they're going through and who they are and whether or not they have what you have. That is Jesus. Not your theology. He didn't say go into all the world and preach theology. He didn't say go into all the world and preach, you know, uh, uh, you know, your point of view. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Jesus came. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. And in His name, there is salvation. Amen? Reaching people. We need to use the right tools. Right foundation, the right focus, the right tools. It's very simple. The right tools is what? It is God's Word and God's Spirit. God's Word and God's Spirit. Now, here's the thing. You know, it's been said, the Word without the Spirit will cause you to dry up. And the Spirit without the Word will cause you to blow up. So we need both, don't we? We need both the Word of God, absolutely. That's our foundation. We need to give that message to people. But I found out when we don't have the Holy Spirit and God's anointing on that Word, it can become legalistic. It can become harsh. It can become, uh, you know, religious. Isn't that right? But here's the thing. On the other hand, we can be so sloppy agape that people get the idea, oh, I just believe on Jesus. That's all I have to do. No, that's not all you have to do. The Bible says you need to repent. Boy, that's a popular word today. Repent means that you might not be doing everything right. You might not be living your life according to God's righteous standards. So he says, you got, first thing you got to do is repent. And repent doesn't mean that you change all the things about you that are not right. It means that you admit to God that your life is not right. And without him, it never will be right. Therefore, I'm turning to you. Repentance doesn't mean you're trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It just means it's just recognizing, admitting to yourself and to God that you can't. Isn't that right? Because if I, could, if I could make myself righteous in God's eyes, I wouldn't need a Savior, would I? But we know this. The Bible says there's nobody that can do it. I don't care how moral you are, how good your intentions are, how truistic you are, how generous you are, how kind you are, you know, and all of that, you still cannot cre- create a righteousness that's acceptable to God. Isn't that right? So it's the Word and the Spirit of God it needs to be both. Again, in, in, in 1 Corinthians, I'll read the Scripture there for you. Chapter 2, I believe it is. Yeah, I want to look at 1 Corinthians 2, 4. Let me get back here on the message real quick. <clears throat> I want to read this to you from 1 Corinthians. Chapter 2. Verse 4. Listen to this now. <clears throat> it 
But the message that I preach came through through anyway. God's Spirit and God's power did it. Which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. In other words, we need not only the gospel message, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit upon the message so that when people respond to it, their faith stands not in some persuasion of wisdom that I gave them, but rather by the power of the Holy Spirit who drew them through the message. Are you listening to me? And so I need the Holy Spirit working in my life. This is why it's so important for you to keep your relationship with God up to date. Keep your relationship up to date. Not only for yourself, absolutely it's important, it's vital. But we need to keep it up to date so that when others are around us and we share our testimony or we share what God did for us, there is something besides just the words. There is the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit there that reaches into their heart, that that convicts them and that draws them to the message. Amen. Absolutely. We're talking about building, building to last, building for eternity. So it's the right foundation, the right focus, and the right tools. He says there in in Ephesians, let me read that one to you. He says, uh, well, let me get there. In Colossians, rather, chapter 3, he said, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Have the run. Does God's word have the run of the house? Well, first of all, the Bible says we're his house. So does he have the run of the house? What about the upstairs room? We know God's living in our, our heart, our spirit, right? But does he have the run of the house? Does he get to go upstairs where that thinking's going on? Come on, that reasoning, that imagination, those attitudes, Uh uh-oh. He said, let let the Word of God, let it have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Amen? God wants to deal with those prejudices. Oh, I don't have any. You also have a problem lying. (laughs) If you're human, you've had to deal with prejudices. Might not be racial. There's more than, that's a biggie, but there's more than just racial prejudices, isn't there? There's all kind of prejudice. So don't don't be too quick, you know, to jump over. You know, he said, let it have the run of the whole house. Let it deal with those attitudes. Let it deal with your motivations. Why you do what you do. This is all right, isn't it? Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. Amen. Boy, I've seen some Christians. Bless their heart. They, you know, they need some common sense. 
Now, you know what? I believe in, that God is, just like we sang today, God's a miracle worker. I've seen it. I've experienced it in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. I know what God can do. He is a mighty supernatural God. I've seen his provision. I've seen him heal. I've seen him deliver. All kinds of things. But you know what? That doesn't mean that I throw out some common sense. (laughs) Amen. Common sense says, get up tomorrow and go to work. Well, I'm just believing for God to send the check in the mail. Well, I found out the check will come in the mail a lot quicker if you get up and go to work. <laughs> Amen. You say, you don't, you don't believe that God can supernaturally provide? Of course I do. Of course I do. Cindy and I were, were missionaries in Argentina. We had, we had to trust God every day for every, every meal we ate, every bill we paid, the rent and everything. We had people from Africa sending us offerings. So I believe in the supernatural. But you know what? We were on the job there doing what we were supposed to do. But see, if we'd been sitting here on Pike Road kicking back, you know, <laughs> binging on Netflix every day. God, we're just waiting on the check to come in. Yeah, you'd still be waiting. You need to be doing what God called you to do. And when you are connected in doing what God called you to do, just use some good common sense. Somebody says, that sounds a whole lot like Christian science. No, it's Christian sense. (laughs) You know, I've told you that little Amusing story about the Christian scientist. You know, the Christian scientists, they believe that everything's in your mind. And that if you just, you know, that's the reason they have all these reading rooms with their books. is because they think if you can just adjust your thinking, everything will straighten out in your life. And so, you know, uh, there, this woman, lady was coming to church. Well, whatever they call it. They call it church. <laughs> to the meeting house, <laughs> Christian science meeting house. And, and, you know, and the, the leader there, I'm not going to call him a minister because I don't believe they are. But he said, he said, Is your, said where's your father? He's not here. Does he still think he's sick? She said, uh, no, sir, uh, we buried him this week. He thinks he's dead. <laughs> See, that's, that's not using common sense, is it? See, we're not talking about that. We're not doing, God's, listen, God's a miracle worker. Don't you ever let go of that. God's a miracle worker. Absolutely is. That don't mean you can, you don't have to use common sense. So we get the right tools. We get God's word and we get God's spirit. We're talking about building something. I'm responsible for building something in my life and so are you. And he's, we already read, if we use inferior materials, it's all going to be torn out. I have found out that sometimes the tests in life tend to do that. Back to my construction days. If the, if the guys that were, were, were hired to come out, a, a, you know, a, a testing laboratory would come out and would test those materials. If they weren't found up to standard, guess what? You, if you already put it in, they're going out. And if they don't meet the standards, they're not going in. And it's the funny thing about builders and contractors. I found out that delay meant they were losing. So they didn't have a whole lot of patience when you just kind of just did any kind of way you wanted to. 
And I found out in this Christian life that sometimes the tests and trials that come against me, one or two things, they prove the materials I used were good materials, but sometimes, yeah, I know it. Sometimes they proved that wasn't built too good. But you know what? Even then, if I will not be a hardhead, and I can say, you know what? You're right, Lord. That, that wasn't built up to specifications there. That's not kingdom quality there. That's not kingdom work. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to redo that. And by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit's help, He'll help me to build that in the way it should be built. So either way, depending on my reaction to it, it can still be for my benefit. And it is for my benefit. Isn't that right? And I can say, God, I'm not going to be a hard head. If that's not up to specifications, we're going to get it right. And not only the right tools, we want the right outcome. What's the right outcome? Oh, I'm blessed, 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 blessed. See, that's a partial outcome. What did God call? He called Abraham. He said, Abraham, he said, if you will follow my purpose and be obedient to what I've, what I've called you to do and where I've called you to go do it, he said, I will bless you. 99% of the Christians would have stopped right there. Hallelujah. And had a fit. And, everybody say and. and. Will make you a blessing. He didn't stop there just with being blessed. Abraham, you're going to be blessed. He said, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing. Part of the reason you're blessed is so that you can be a blessing. If we're all broke, who's going to give to the poor? If we're all sick, who's going to serve? If we're all thinking just about ourselves, who's going to reach all those who don't know about Jesus? So our legacy is not the blessing of God upon our lives. It is what we do with what God's given us, pouring into other people's lives. They are the legacy. Are you listening? Paul said this to the Thessalonians. Listen to this. Who do you think we're going to be proud of when our master, Jesus, appears if it's not you? You're our pride and joy. Man, Cindy and I just had our first grandchild. Oh, buddy. We got some pictures this morning. If we go more than about two days without pictures, somebody, one of us, is on the texting saying, hey, what's going on down there? They live down in South Florida. We ain't got no pictures. We ain't got no new pictures. Well, what's going on? That's our pride and joy. That's our grandson. That's our grandboy. You better be sending some pictures up here. What's our, see, because that, from the natural, that's part of our legacy, isn't it? But see, Paul said spiritually, speaking to the Thessalonican Christians, believers, he said, you're our pride and joy. Listen, when Jesus appears, it's not going to be, Lord, I'm telling you, that Cadillac you gave me, that's my pride and joy. Oh, Lord, I was styling in them new suit clothes you gave me. 
Wow. No. It's going to be what? What we poured into the lives of people around us. That's our legacy. That's your legacy. And you can do that whether you've got $5 million or $5. You can do that whether you're, uh, you know, the most popular or the least popular. Whether you're educated or uneducated. Whether you're black or whether you're white. You can invest in people. Take the gospel, invest in people, and have a legacy. You think people looking at those mansions up there in heaven and walking on streets of gold, that they're going to be all puffed up about the house they had down here? (laughs) Holy cow. The most beautiful mansion. Listen, we lived down in Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, and you could drive along A1A on Palm Beach there. Man. Mansion. Estate mansion after estate mansion. Anybody that's driven on those roads, you know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, they're, you know, they're worth $20 million, $30 million. I mean, they are something else. I mean, they are, by man's standards, you just can't. I mean, you know, the faucets are gold. They got an army of people out there keeping it up, and they're not even there most of the year. But I'm going to tell you what, that's going to look like a little old lean-to in the woods compared to what he's built. So my legacy is people. Let me give you some action points, and then we're going to have communion together. Listen to this. Let me ask you some questions. Do you have the right foundation? Jesus said there's only one foundation. That's him. If your faith is not in Jesus... If you haven't turned to him and said, Jesus, I cannot do it. There's no way I will ever measure up. I need you in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your salvation. Jesus, come into my life and be Lord and Savior. If you don't have that foundation, listen, you don't have a foundation. Secondly, do you have the right focus? Listen. I know life can get busy, and man, we can get so focused on, on going to work and, you know, and, and making the donuts and coming home and going back to make the donuts, and we're running the kids here, and we're running the kids there, and we're taking care of parents over here. And we, I understand that, man. It, I don't know, man. When I grew up, it's, maybe it's perception, but boy, it seems like life is sure a lot busier than when I was a kid. So much information coming at us, so much stuff happening, so much going on. It used to be that it was only God knew when a sparrow fell. Now, with social media and and the internet, everybody knows when a a bird dies. (laughs) Somebody sneezes in China and it's on the social networking. I mean, so much information, everything coming at us. And I understand that, but do we have the right focus? It's about eternity. It's about what we do for God. It's about glorifying Him. It's about reaching other lives. And that brings me to the last, which is, is this. How are you allocating your resources? That is your time, your talents, and your treasure. You're going to be like the rich man. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to build me one bigger. Woo! 
I'm going to open up some more IRAs out there. Nothing wrong with that. It's wisdom to plan. But I want to tell you what. You know, I want to invest in the kingdom. I want to invest in people's lives. I want to spend my life for something more than brick and mortar. Something that hangs on the wall. My life, your life is more valuable than that. Don't you think? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you that you've called us to build to last. Lord, we want to build something that is permanent. Something that is eternal in the heavens. Lord, if I've seen one thing in the life I've lived is nothing is permanent except you and your kingdom. Nothing lasts except your message and your word, your love and your grace. God, we want to invest in the eternal things, in the eternal things. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We're going to have communion together. If you didn't get the elements when you came in, uh, if you'll raise your hand, the ushers will bring you some elements. If you didn't, there's, there's some here. We'll, we'll wait a moment while you are ready. You know, <clears throat> I want to, while they're helping others with the elements, I want to read something here to you. What we're about to do, I don't want us to go through a religious ritual here or a form. Well, this is something we do in church. Well, it is, but listen, it's so much more than that. These elements we hold, if we will understand what we are doing and we will connect to God and release our faith as we're doing it, listen, Communion should be one of the most powerful times of connecting with the body and the blood of Jesus. Listen to what the writer said here. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins. Oh, boy. Thank God He forgives all my sins. How about you? Aren't you glad? The blood, the Bible says the blood has washed away all our sins. The Bible goes so far as to say this, that it's not only forgiveness of sins, but the Bible says it's the remission of sins. In other words, God says, I'm not even going to remember that you ever had any. Now see, we remember. God says, I'm not even going to remember. So how can he do that? I don't know. I'm just glad he can. That's way over my pay grade. But he says, I won't remember your iniquities anymore. But notice the second one here. He says, and who heals all your diseases. When we partake of this communion today, if you need healing in your body, healing is the bread of the children. Who is the bread of life? Jesus who came down. 
And he said, when you eat this bread, he said, by faith you connect with my body which was broken for your healing. Wow. So we got two benefits right there, but he's not through. Listen to this. Who redeems your life from the pit? Boy, you ever been in the pit? Maybe you're in the pit this morning. He says he's going to redeem you from the pit. You know what that means? He's going to bring you up. In another place, the writer says, he lifted me up out of a pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my foot upon the rock. We know who the rock is, don't we? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. This is some of his benefits. Who crowns your life with love and compassion. Are you feeling lonely? Are you feeling rejected? Are you feeling like no one cares for you? Listen. Reconnect with the lover of your soul. Who satisfies your desires with good things. Is there lack in your life? It might be spiritually, it might be emotionally, it might be socially, it might be financially. Is there lack? He said, he's going to satisfy you with good things. And then he says, he's going to, re- so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. So this morning, as we partake of these elements, listen, those are some of the major benefits And if you need one of these or you need all of them, it doesn't matter. The blood and body of Jesus has paid for them all. Whether you need a dollar or a million, it's all the same to God. A need is a need. There have been times in my life when I've had big needs. God met it. But there have been times in my life, by comparison, there were smaller needs and some in between. But every need God has met. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his broken body, and through his shed blood. So, everybody got your elements there? Let me get mine open. Take out the bread there, the wafer. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, it says he took bread, he broke it, he passed it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Broken for you. Not, not for you. Let's say that together. His body was broken for me. I want to let that sink in a moment. For your healing. For your deliverance. For your peace. Father, thank you. Thank you for the broken body of Jesus. Oh, God. Every need met in this place. Oh, Lord, your grace really is like an ocean, an unfathomable supply. May we receive all that we need this morning. You need healing in your body. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for the broken body. We receive by faith all the benefits of it now as we partake together in Jesus' name. Let's eat. That same meal, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the covenant I'm making with you. He said, it represents my blood, the blood that was shed for us.
when they laid the stripes upon his back, when they pressed the thorns upon his head, when they drove the nails into his hands and feet, and the spear thrust up into his side, and the blood ran down so that you and I can be forgiven and restored into right relationship with God, that he can become our Abba, Daddy Father. Oh, man, we can go out of this place today knowing that we are set right with God, that no matter what I face, I don't face it alone. I've got the greater one with me. I've got the power of the blood working for me. Amen. Our faith is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. Father, thank you for the blood, the precious blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Lord, that obliterates all of our sin. As you have said, you remove it from us as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Father. We declare that by faith in the blood, we are clean. We are free. We are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the blood. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.